I wanted to take just a moment and uh, say thank you. As the year has come to an end and a new year has begun, man, you as a church have done some amazing things through your faithfulness in, in tithes and offerings. And uh, we want to try to spotlight some of those as the months go on to keep before you. So you see how the, the monies that you are giving back to the Lord are being used by the Lord to advance his kingdom. And uh, today we have a, a very special guest with us, but before we invite him to come up for just a minute, I want to invite Kaylee Lindstrom. Kaylee's here somewhere. There she is. I don't know if, you're, if you know Kaylee or not, but if you don't, you need to get to know this woman. Kaylee is our Director of Outreach and Family Ministries and has just been a, a wonderful gift to the team here at Bemis. But uh, your faithfulness, if you ever have questions about ministries that you're supporting as a church, she would be a great resource for that. And uh, many of us know, kind of have an idea of what's going on, but she really has her fingerprint on that. And uh, I want to invite Kaylee to, to introduce our next guest who's going to join us up here right now. Yeah, I'd like to introduce Jeff Rotunda. Um, and many of you already know him. Raise your hand if you know Jeff already. I think a lot of us probably do. Awesome. So Jeff is the executive director of UCAN City Mission. And um, we just wanted to take a minute and let you know exactly what UCAN is. Um, and for those of you that don't know, and then give you an opportunity to um, step in in a physical way and um, in a prayerful way to um, and be helping you can. Um, so Jeff, could you just give us a little bit of an idea um, of what you can is and for um, somebody that maybe is walking through the doors for the first time, what are the things that you can um, offer individuals okay. that are coming in? Uh, so to start, UCAN is actually United Christian Advocacy Network. So imagine continuing to say that uh, over and over again. So we just shorten it down to UCAN. And you can help us. You can be a part of what God is doing, just like I was and is and, and continue to be. Uh, so we are now going on to about four and a half years of service within the community as far as a men's rescue gospel mission and those men that we serve are 18 years of old, 18 years of age and older and we've had gentlemen in their 70s and almost early 80s and everyone in between right here in Chautauqua County so uh, with that we offer not just beds but food and shelter clothing uh, laundry services, uh, as well as so many connections with all the organizations in the community. Um, for those who don't know, we are lo lo currently located in Jamestown. And uh, just to throw this out there, we are looking at North County as well. So That was going to be my next question, was looking forward. So what are mm -hmm. some things that are um, in the vision of UCAN, some things that might be coming down the road? Uh, the, the first one, and most immediate, most of you might have read in, in the paper, is we are, uh, phase two has always been serving the women and children in Chautauqua County. And just to throw a quick number out there, 200 plus single women, 200 plus uh, families, which is usually a single mother with children. Right here in Chautauqua County, we're housed in hotels and motels, which um, if you know some of the system and, and what that looks like, that's not a very safe place to be for women and, and, and especially mothers with children. So phase two, the immediate is uh, a shelter right in Jamestown for women, as well as we're moving and, and in conversation with the um, communities in the North County, because we know Chautauqua Ridge creates a division unofficially, right? 
But God says to cover everything, to care for what? The POWs, the poor, the prison, the orphans, the widows, and the sick. And so we're looking to cover Chautauqua County. So the, those, those are what we're looking at immediately, but especially the women and children's facility, we're actually looking at two properties right now. And so that's something you can pray for as uh, we see where God opens the door. One is almost ready to move in. The other would need a ton of work, but we're going to be obedient to what one God wants us to take. Mm-hmm. How exciting is that? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what are some other ways that we can be praying for you specifically for the staff and for um, right now the men that are in the shelter um, and moving forward? Uh, for the staff, for myself, for the leadership, um, we are missionaries. You're looking at a modern-day missionary. I never thought I would be. We, we, one, thank you for your continued prayers. Everybody says, well, at least I could do is pray for you. No, the most you can do is pray for us. The most. And, but this church has been faithful with your giving because we are open only because of individuals and churches and businesses, foundations, that we're able to remain open. So my, my providing for my family relies on being uh, supported by people like you and the church as a whole. And so continue to pray for the leadership. Pray for the safety within the shelter as we know we're all wearing these wonderful face masks and, and social distancing. Um, that the men at the mission and my staff remain safe. Uh, we've uh, had one confirmed case of COVID within my staff, um, but he is recovering. We've had a couple other um, close calls, if you want to call them that. But uh, then continue to pray for the men who come to us, not just receive shelter, but are able to see the hope and love and accountability that God gives through us as staff to them as, as uh, guests. So. And if you want to know more um, about UCAN, Jeff will be out here in the gallery after the service. Um, feel free to ask him any questions, um, ways that you can get involved, things like that. But I also wanted to um, talk about another way that you can get involved. We have been sponsoring breakfasts um, for UCAN every Tuesday morning. Mm-hmm. So they serve a breakfast and a dinner That's correct? Correct. Um, to the men in the shelter. And BPUMC has been sponsoring breakfasts on Tuesdays. But we would like to open it up to the whole congregation. So if you are interested in providing a breakfast, and you can do it once, just one time, you can do it once a month, you can sign up for a couple dates. Um, All you have to do is pick up, there's some tins out in the gallery, and Britta will be out there after the service. Some tins, there's a direction sheet with um, a recipe prepared by Charlie Hodges, made it super simple for you. You can follow that recipe, you can tweak it, um, whatever you want to do, and then just bring it to the mission on Monday night, or um, early Tuesday morning, early Mm -hmm. enough so that they can prepare it. Um, You will provide all um, all of the materials for that breakfast. And we're hoping to get every Tuesday through June. That's our lofty goal, and I think that you guys can reach that. So if you'll just stop out in the gallery and see um, what more there is that we can do to help, that would be wonderful. Before we close, I would just like to pray over Jeff. So if you will pray with me. Father God, I just thank you so much for Jeff. I thank you for his ministry and just his heart for the people in this community, Lord, in Jamestown, in Chautauqua County. And I just thank you that um, he was obedient to your call, Lord, 
to serve the, um, the hungry, Lord, the widows, the oppressed, Lord, those coming out of jail. He is doing your work. And I just pray for him and his staff that, um, and the men in the mission, Lord, that everybody that comes through those doors and that encounters you can will just know who you are in a larger way, Lord, that they will share your message of hope and love, God. Lord, we love you so much, and I just pray for direction in the coming weeks, in the coming years, for you can, Lord. You know where they're headed, God, and I just pray that you will pave that path. In your name I pray, amen. Twelve months ago, Bishop Webb asked me if uh, I would prayerfully consider this crazy idea of uh, transitioning into pastoring both Bemis Point and Park United Methodist Churches. It was this week that he asked that question. And uh, obviously, you know the end result of that. When the Lord calls, you respond faithfully. Also, shortly after that time, I was on an ad board meeting, and uh, following the meeting, Pastors Bill and Kristen invited Olivia Barnes to stay just for a moment and talk about a couple of logistical things moving forward. And one of the things that uh, Pastor Bill closed the session out with is he says, hey, uh, just so you know, Olivia has a calling on her life to preach. To which I responded, great, how about you come into ministry full time? And, uh, and that process has begun. <laughs> we're in ministry full time whether we're working in it professionally or whether we're just carrying out the gospel, Right. And uh, I learned this morning something else about uh, Miss Olivia, Mrs. Barnes, actually. I have to remember that it's not Olivia Richardson any longer, that she is married to a wonderful man. But I learned uh, that, uh, I'm going to say 20 plus years ago, uh, you as a church faithfully prayed over this young woman when she was in womb. And the reason that she is able to stand here today and proclaim the gospel is because of your faithfulness. You let that sink in for just a moment. Because you as a church were faithful. Today you will reap some of the benefits of that harvest. God has called her, God has anointed her, and God has prepared her heart. I'd like to invite uh, Olivia Barnes and her husband Connor to come and join us up front for a moment as we pray over this woman who is about to declare the word of God. I've asked Connor to, to pray over her. And I'd invite you to pray also, maybe even extending a hand if you're comfortable doing so, as he prays to just join along with him in this anointing. All right, pray with me. Oh, holy God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for uh, not only all of the worship that has gone on already and all the people who have shown up, all the people who serve in this church to make sure that uh, every week it can be such a blessed experience. And Father, we do pray now for Olivia. Um, we know that she has prepared words to speak, but Lord, those words will be empty without you working through them. And I do pray that your spirit would show up this morning, Lord, that uh, you would overwhelm Olivia with a sense of peace. And Lord, as she's speaking, she would feel you uh, not only within her, but all around this place and within everyone else here. God, I thank you for her heart of service her willingness to step out into somewhat of an uncomfortable place, never preaching before. But Lord, I know that every time you call us and we act obediently, you will bless us. Um, God, I do pray that this morning as she preaches, everything would go as she's hoped it would go. 
Lord, that you would work through her words, that you would work in the hearts of the people who have come, people who are uh, visitors, people who have come here for years, decades even, Lord. And in all things, Lord, I pray that uh, your kingdom come and your will be, would be done this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. everybody. Pastor Joe's like, oh, you can just take that girl's music stand. I'm like, oh, Cassidy, my sister's music stand. (laughs) You forgot. It's okay. Now you know and you'll never forget it. (laughs) I just wanted to um, start by echoing Pastor Joe's comments. Um, I'm so thankful to be here this morning and I was just thinking how cool it is um, this morning Cassidy and Brennan and Kaylee and Andrew and I, that's five of us just this morning that grew up in this youth program that are serving this morning. That's really cool. I just think that's a testimony to how well this church, um, we, we had a lot of fun in youth group, but we were also, there was discipleship making happening. And this is some of the fruit, so it's really awesome to be here with you all. And um, I have felt your prayers for the people. I know I have some dear friends and family watching online who have prayed for me and people here. So I've got a lot of peace going into this because I've been prayed over and God's got the rest. So <laughs> will you open your Bibles with me to John 8:31? I'll give you a second probably don't have pew Bibles anymore, so now the pressure's really on for you to remember your own. Blame COVID. (laughs) Okay, John 8, 31 through 38. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you, and do, what, and you do what you have heard from your father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us through your word. Lord, we are ready and excited to hear from you this morning. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be from you, Jesus, and that you would have your way this morning. And in the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. So around 1,600 years ago, a man known as St. Jerome lived. 
St. Jerome lived during the time when Christianity first became the official religion of the Roman Empire. And Connor, my husband, recently completed a painting of St. Jerome, and in it, St. Jerome is completing the task that he is most famous for. To clarify, this is not Connor's picture. He would not let me put his up. (laughs) This is from Google. (laughs) If you want to see Connor's, it's up in our house. You have to come over. But anyway, in this picture and in Connor's picture, St. Jerome um, is translating the Bible because St. Jerome translated most of the Bible into Latin, the Vulgate, the common language of the empire, so that the scriptures could be read in one common language and could be more easily read and spread. St. Jerome completed much of the translations in Bethlehem and was even buried originally in the Church of the Nativity, which is the church that's built where they think that Jesus was born. St. Jerome needed knowledge of Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic to be able to do his work, but his translations, the fruit of his labor, made the Bible accessible to so many people who didn't know as many languages or who were less educated. And this was a huge gift to the church. Why did St. Jerome do this? Why did he pour over manuscripts, enlist the help of other scholars, not to mention sit in the sweltering Bethlehem heat, kind of like temperature in here right now, (laughs) painstakingly translating the scriptures for over 20 years? A common paraphrase from St. Jerome is, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. St. Jerome committed much of his life to this work because the holy scriptures are God's word. They are how we know Christ. And God's word provides the truth that brings life and freedom. In the passage we just read, Jesus is talking to a group of Jews who are starting to believe him that he is the son of God. So he says to these Jews, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The availability of God's word is such a gift to us because abiding in Jesus' word is the way to become a disciple of Jesus. Know the truth and find freedom. So today we're going to walk through each of those three things to get a more full understanding of what Jesus is saying about his word. But first I want to start by looking at the word Jesus uses. He says that if you abide in my word, and this word abide is meno in Greek, and it's translated a few different ways throughout the Bible. It can be translated as abide, continue, remain, dwell, tarry, endure, and to be present. So to abide in God's word means we need to dwell in, spend time with, and continue to be present with it. We're talking about reading our Bibles and reading them well. Reading in big chunks often to grasp context, taking time to reflect on what we're reading, praying through scripture, and really marinating in it and letting it seep into our souls, listening for God. So now that we have a general idea of what it means to abide in God's word in our Bibles, let's talk about the three reasons Jesus gives for prioritizing this. So first he says, abiding in God's word is how you become a true disciple of Jesus. 
A disciple is someone who follows Jesus, does his work, and talks about him. Being a disciple is the calling of all Christians, and it's not because Jesus needs us, like he needs to have a big posse following him around in order to feel good about himself. No, being a disciple is a gift to the disciple. The the disciples that got to follow Jesus while he was on earth left everything they had in order to give their lives to be disciples of Jesus. Disciples have to know their teacher well in order to represent him well and actually actively be a follower. The only way we can truly know our teacher is if we spend time with him. Another famous idea attributed to St. Jerome is that when we pray, we speak to God, but when we read, God speaks to us. God can speak to his people in many ways, but a primary vessel of God's voice is his word. Tom talked about this last week, how we need to read our Bibles in order to discover who God is. And then through that, we will learn about who we are in him, but we really need to go to scripture for the purpose of finding Jesus. One of my favorite lines from a song by one of my favorite bands, 10th Avenue North, is from the song, I Confess. And part of the chorus goes, I don't want to look in a stranger's eyes when I come into this place. Let me grow familiar with the lines, the lines upon your face. Church family, I want to know Jesus so well that my heart is one with his and that I would recognize his hand, his touch, and the lines on his face. Don't you? I don't want Jesus to be a stranger to me. Jesus' disciples were the ones closest to him on earth because they dwelled with him. They listened to him. They took the time to learn from him. And that is what we need to do in order to have an intimacy with Jesus. Have you guys ever seen a painting, paintings of Jesus knocking on the metaphorical doors of our hearts based on the passage in Revelation 3? I know that my great-grandma had one of those. Up. It's kind of a well-known image. That line in Revelation 3 is not written to unbelievers. It's actually written to the church, those who believe. Jesus is knocking. He wants more from us. He wants us to not just acknowledge him, but abide with him and be his true disciples. And we do that by reading his word. Second, abiding in God's word is how we discover truth. I don't know about you, but I feel like especially in the time of social media and fake news and all sorts of craziness, I so often find myself desperate just to know what the truth is. God's word is full of truth. Truth about who God is, how he is righteous and loving, and how much he loves his creation. It has truth about who we are as God's children and how we should think about ourselves to have a right understanding of our purpose and relationship with others and our creator. St. Augustine said, the truth is like a lion. You don't have to defend it. Let it loose. It will defend itself. God's truth is righteous and full of hope, and it also has power. Knowing the truth helps us be wise and discerning to know how to choose God's best plan for us. When we were little, one of my siblings, and I won't throw them under the bus, so we'll just leave it vague, one of my two siblings 
broke my mom's gold chain necklace because we were fighting over looking at it. We were very little when my mom found it because, of course, we just left it where we broke it. When she found it, she immediately confronted my sibling who denied any, any knowledge of it. And I was in the other room, and I was hearing this conversation, and I felt a little convicted, so I went out there, and I told my mom that we both broke it. And we both got put in timeout. <laughs> but mine was a little bit shorter than my siblings because I had chosen to tell the truth. <laughs> and not only did I get a shorter punishment, um, which was a good lesson, motivation for telling the truth, but I also remember feeling a great peace about choosing truth, even though I probably could have gotten away with not saying anything. Knowing the truth, acting on the truth, and abiding in the truth in God's word is empowering for our spiritual lives especially. And finally, abiding in God's word is how we experience freedom. Doesn't that sound like beautiful news, experiencing freedom? Well, the Jews Jesus was talking to did not totally see it like that. So if we go back to the passage, we see that their immediate rebuttal in verse 33 was, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And all I could think of when I read this was a line my mom always said. I don't know where it's from. Maybe you do. But the, what you talking about, Willis? Like, what the heck, Jesus? We don't know. We don't understand what you're saying here. <laughs> I still don't know what it's from. When Tom read this over, he sent me a gif of someone. I, I don't know. I'll have to Google it. <laughs> I see that this is familiar to some of you. <laughs> Okay, so the Jews don't understand how they could possibly need to be freed when they are children of Abraham, the chosen ones brought to the promised land by Yahweh. Their pride and confidence in their identity as Jews prevent them from understanding that there are more than just physical kinds of bondage. Jesus responds to them by saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The Jews might not have been in physical bondage anymore, but we are all in bondage to our sin if we're not set free by Jesus, who showed us the ultimate form of love by leaving heaven, becoming human, and sacrificing himself to defeat death and rescue us from our sin that would otherwise hinder us from being able to be in the presence of the living God. We cannot free ourselves. We need Jesus. Salvation does not come from saying a certain set of magical words, the prayer. Salvation comes to those who believe Jesus is who he says he is and follows him, which is what happens when you really mean what you say when you say the prayer, giving your life to Jesus. We discover who Jesus is and are able to follow him away from sin and into freedom only if we abide in his word. In the book Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, Tom talked about this a couple months ago, and I'm pretty sure he said that you're not really a Christian if you haven't read the book. I think he was kidding, but you should still read the book. 
(laughs) Foster writes about the discipline of study and says, this is kind of a long quote, but it's really good, so get ready. Many Christians remain in bondage to fears and anxieties simply because they do not avail themselves of the discipline of study. They may be faithful in church attendance and earnest in fulfilling their religious duties, and still they're not changed. I'm not speaking only of those who are going through mere religious forms, but of those who are genuinely seeking to worship and obey Jesus Christ as Lord and Master. They may sing with gusto, pray in the Spirit, live as obediently as they know, even receive divine visions and revelations, and yet the tenor of their lives remains unchanged. Why? Because they've never taken up one of the central ways God uses to change us, study. Jesus made it unmistakably clear that the knowledge of the truth will set us free. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free, John 8, 32. Good feelings will not free us. Ecstatic experiences will not free us. Getting high on Jesus will not free us. Without a knowledge of the truth, we will not be free. So the knowledge of the truth, one of the gifts of abiding in God's word that we just talked about, is a tool, a sort of crowbar to wrench us out of sin and complacency and into freedom and life itself. Freedom from sin, freedom from shame, freedom of feeling purposeless, freedom from loneliness, freedom from feeling unworthy, freedom from being distant from our creator God. When you abide in God's word, you are able to follow Jesus and become his disciple. Know him personally because you will know the truth and knowing truth will help you distinguish between truth and lies, bondage and freedom that you may have life. And not just a barely living, dragging along sort of life, but abundant life. Because you are going to be able to walk closely with the God who knows you better than anyone else because he himself crafted you with purpose and care and he sent his son to rescue you out of love. Don't you want to be close to someone who already loves you like that? Pastor Joe gave me free reign to choose what I wanted to share today, which actually made it more difficult, by the way. (laughs) Just the whole Bible, whatever you want. But I decided I wanted to share about the part of my spiritual walk that has had the biggest impact on me. And I suspect that many of you who know me from church would guess that worship has been the biggest influence on my spiritual growth because of how I became invested in the church and youth group going up, being on the worship team, and that's where you most often see me as an adult serving the church. And worship has been huge for me. It's been very important. But what has actually been had the biggest impact on my spiritual walk is reading my Bible. I was blessed to grow up in a Christian family, and I always knew the common Bible stories that get shared with kids. We watched Veggie Tales and Bible Man and all that good stuff. And I knew the importance of reading my Bible. I had um, a Bible in a red plastic case that had Noah's Ark on it, and it had a little handle. It was very cool. I carried it with me to church every Sunday. And I tried many times to start reading my Bible consistently and to read the whole thing. You know, start in Genesis all the way through. That's the best way, right? I always got stuck somewhere around Numbers and Deuteronomy. Anybody else kind of get stuck around there? Yeah, that can be a hindrance to many people. So what really changed things for me was around middle school, 
And my dad challenged our whole family to read the Bible through in a year. He bought us Bibles that were broken up into 365 sections. This is that exact Bible. It's kind of peeling. This was before I uh, wrote in my Bible, really, because I would transfer it over to this other Bible for some reason. I don't know. So it looks kind of empty, but it also looks kind of dirty, and there's still some notes in it from middle school. Oh, my handwriting was really bad. Yeah, so this is that exact Bible. He also told us that if we finished in a year, he would pick a, we could pick a charity that he would donate $100 to in our name. And so he got the whole family these Bibles. And this was very motivating for me. If you know me, you know me that I'm definitely very goal and checklist oriented. I like to make checklists for the day and include things that I know I can accomplish, like get out of bed, eat breakfast, take a shower, brush teeth, so that I can check them off the list. So I'm very motivated by this. As long as I have a realistic plan, I can be very disciplined for the purpose of attaining the goal, which in this case was finishing the Bible in a year. And at first, it was very much a checklist thing for me. I wanted to be able to say that I read my Bible each day and did it in one year. But eventually, that rhythm and habit I was building of abiding in God's word every day started to change me. Essentially, I developed an awe of and thirst for God's word. Cassie and I had bunk beds and I was on the bottom, so I would write scripture on sticky notes and they hang it around the top of the bed. The back wall behind my dresser was covered in handwritten notes on neon paper. It was a very well bright decorated room. <laughs> These neon papers everywhere. Um, I loved being able to go to church and hear a message and be able to recall the context around a passage that was being shared because I had read it. And I developed a depth to my faith because so many things in my life reminded me of what I was reading in my Bible. So I was able to see the application of Scripture more readily because it was beginning to be stored in my heart. I did finish reading my Bible in a year. I think I was the only one in my family to actually do it, but I was probably at just the right age, and I had way more time than my parents did. So that probably helped me. But the goal had changed from being able to say I read the whole Bible in a year to trying to find God and understand him better through reading my Bible. I eventually stopped using the day-by-day -day Bible and switched to a study Bible to help me have a better understanding of what I was reading. And I just kept going. This church opened up opportunities for me to share what I was reading at youth group, and I even wrote a verse of the day with a devotion that I texted out to tons of people who signed up or maybe they didn't and I just decided they were going to get it. And I did it for like five years, every school day for five years. It was insane. And I don't share this with you to say how awesome I was for reading my Bible and sharing scripture because that's just not true. I can't take any credit for this. All I did was start and the Holy Spirit drew me in and did the rest. God's word is teaching me how to be a disciple and follow Jesus. It's teaching me how to discern truth. It's freeing me from my tendency to sin and the consequences that come from it. God's word has and still is changing every part of my life. And I can't pretend that my thirst for God's word hasn't gone through any dry patches or that there haven't been seasons where I fail to prioritize it because we've all been there. But I can tell you that when I do prioritize coming to God's word expectantly and constantly, 
God shows up as I'm reading, as I'm reflecting, and as I'm trying to learn how to run the race of my life well in a way that glorifies him. And it shouldn't surprise me that I find God while reading his word because as we just read in John, we come to know Jesus by abiding in his word. Jesus himself said that. Some of you who know me might be saying, but Olivia, this is so easy for you because you enjoy reading and I'm just not a reader. Okay, I hear you. But if you're not a reader, I challenge you to practice the discipline and make time to read at least one book. The book that gives you truth and life. Also, we live in the age of technology, and one of the blessings of this is that you can listen and meditate on the Word of God right from your phone. There are apps like Pray As You Go, that's one I use every day, the Glorify app, the Bible app, the Dwell app, and I'm sure there are countless others. I know that that's a way my dad loves to read scripture, is by listening to it. So there are ways out there for you to get the Word of God in your heart and mind. Everyone has aspects of their spiritual walk that come more easily to them or that are more difficult for them. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are capable of obedience in all parts of our walk with Jesus. You can do it. Some of you are already faithful readers of God's word, and you've been studying scripture since before I was born. If that is you, then you should feel affirmed and be able to reflect on the power of scripture in your life. Some of you are faithful readers of devotionals and you hear the Bible read at church, but you don't really read your Bible on your own. And if that is you, I want to encourage you to dive deeper. A devotional someone wrote about God's word is good, but it's not the same thing as dwelling in the actual word of God. We need to read God's word in big chunks to understand context, like Pastor Joe likes to say. A verse without a context is just a pretext for us to make it say whatever we want. So we need to read in big chunks, and we want to grasp the interconnectedness of God's word. Some of you have never read a Bible before, either because although you love Jesus and are a Christian, reading doesn't come easily for you and you don't enjoy it. Or maybe you're not a Christian and you've never even thought about reading the Bible before. If you identify with one of those people, I hope that what we've read today in John has inspired you or at least sparked some interest. God's word is important. If you love Jesus, you need to decide to spend time in God's word in order to grow. And if you don't know Jesus, but maybe you're interested in learning more, One, please talk to someone. We would love to talk to you about Jesus. But two, the Bible does a really good job of explaining who Jesus is and why knowing him matters. And a good place to start would be the Gospel of John that we just read from today. Friends, we are the church. And the church's job is to love God and love others. We cannot do our job and really fulfill our purpose if we don't read God's word and prioritize it in our lives. Because abiding in God's word, sitting in it, wrestling with it, dwelling in it, and letting it influence our actions and thoughts is what makes us disciples, followers of Jesus. It is the authority on truth, and it is the only truth that will set you free. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we are here because we want to know you. We recognize that without you, we're missing out on the purpose that you created for us. 
We want to love you and know you better. Thank you for giving us your word and for still faithfully speaking through it. Would you help us to listen well? Would you convict us of where we need to grow in abiding in your word? Would you do a transformative work on our hearts through your word so that our lives will reflect you better and better? We love you, Jesus. We trust you. Help us to love you and trust you more through abiding in your word. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. My family, it has been an honor to worship with you this morning. And like I said at the beginning, this church has poured into me so well my whole life. And I'm just so blessed to be here. It's 2021. New Year's are a good time to reflect on where we've been, where we're going, and how we want to grow. Will you commit to growing with me by abiding in God's word more than we ever have before this year. Because abiding in God's word, reading our Bibles, is imperative for following God, knowing truth, and finding freedom. Would you stand as you are able for the benediction? May you welcome our creator God to empower you by the Holy Spirit to become an ardent and faithful follower of Jesus Christ, to advance his purposes in your heart and in his kingdom, which includes this world. Amen.